I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will give their opening weekend reactions, they'll have a Padre Twitter segment, and they will talk to Mad Friar's ray of fucking sunshine, David J. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric Labou. And welcome back, everybody, to the first regular season edition of the 5.5 Podcast. You could say this is our uh, official uh Season opener. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric Labou, and what has been arguably one of the most exciting weekends in uh, Padres baseball history in a long time. And for me personally, Eric, probably the most fun I've had ever at Petco Park. How about yourself? It was absolutely amazing. So, uh, kind of behind the scenes here. Well, which part? Because I don't know if you remember the first day. Yeah, true. <laughs> behind the scenes here, I almost wasn't able to do the pod today because my voice has been shot. So, from I went to game Thursday, went to game Friday, and Saturday. And I lost my voice from screaming at a baseball game. That hasn't happened since the World Baseball Classic when Adam Jones robbed Manny Machado. Which I was there for, right behind him. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, I've never had this much fun at Potter games before. And it's the regular season. It's the it's the beginning of the year, yeah, which is great. But there's so much excitement around this team. Like, I can't help but be overly excited and overly optimistic as far as what I'm expecting from this team. But, man, I, I couldn't have asked for a better opening day weekend. Well, actually, I could have. If Paddock started Saturday. <laughs> and <laughs> or I was Thursday a, or Friday. <laughs> or, yeah, or Thursday or Friday, and I was able to make it to the game. But other than that, man, absolutely no complaints. The, uh, the ballpark experience was great. Um, the the um, the electricity around the stadium, like, it just feels different. I don't know if it's just because it's the, the, opening, the opening day weekend or what, but I hope that that same energy is there throughout this season. Let me touch on that, because you mentioned you don't know if it's because it's opening day. I've been to... Um, a couple of opening days at Petco. The most recent one I went to, I can't remember who the hell started for the Padres, but it was Madison Bumgarner starting for the Giants. So we won that game like 3-1 to one or 3-2. to two. It was something unexciting. But I can tell you firsthand, and I mean, we've seen this when we went to Cubs games last year. We've gone to Giants games like um, we went with Mazzone to a Giants game. Like right. the vibe there is completely different. And from an opening day standpoint, completely different. Like, it was like playoff environment. Now I don't want to, you know, start uh, sucking each other's dicks just yet because it was the Giants. They are on average the oldest team in baseball. But to see the turnout from the San Diego side, because usually, usually, it, I feel like it's normally sixty forty other team when you have a team like the Giants or the Phillies. The Cubs, I think, was like ninety ten when they right. showed up. It was you sad. Know, and the Dodgers, you know, they usually have the majority of the fans. Whereas, and, and this was goes for opening day when I went, which, like I said, I want to say it was two thousand eleven. I feel like it was 80-20 Padre fans. Like yeah. there was a, I was in line because I got there late. I had some other stuff I had to take care of. I got there late. And I'm getting in line. Number one, the the season ticket members line to get in was longer and backed up and wrapped all the way from the home plate entrance all the way to the other side, damn near uh, to the uh, park in the park entrance. So that's how long that line was. I got in faster than a lot of those people did. And while I'm in line going through the metal detectors, there was a fucking Let's Go Padres chant, and the National Anthem haven't even played yet. Yeah. I was like, where where am I? What kind of... This is the exact kind of audience and crowd like I have craved since 1998. That's the kind of vibe it felt like. It felt like the World Baseball Classic. 
in that everybody's there. We're all cheering. We're all rooting for the same team. It's just incredible energy around the ballpark. Um, you know, the game that we got to, like, Tatis was excellent. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Manny didn't do as much as we wanted him to, but, you know, to see when he came up, the ovation he got, the Manny chance, like, it was like, God, this is everything, like, we've been hoping for. And the best part is they went 3-1. and one. It was noticeable, the disappearance of Giants fans. Now, I don't know if that's yes. because of how trash they are or if it's because of how excited we are for this team. And I, I think the bandwagon folks are coming out, which is fine. Welcome. Yeah. Um, I, I won't buy you beer, but hey, uh, take. welcome aboard. Yeah, we'll take your money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I don't know I don't know which one of those it was, but I, it was very noticeable how little Giants fans that there were uh, on Thursday. On Friday, you can kind of see him a little bit, a little bit. I'm usually, when I think of the other team's fans, I'm thinking down the third baseline, right? Yeah. Behind the visitor's dugout. Um, Saturday Saturday was probably the worst. And even then, it wasn't that bad. What was it Saturday? Because I feel like when we went on Friday for Beer Fest, it was still probably, like maybe not the 80-20 it was on opening day, but probably like 70-30 Padre fans. I'd say the same. I'd say the same for, for Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. That's really, really good. It's crazy. And, and maybe they just don't stick out as much because they weren't wearing their orange. <laughs> But I don't know, man. And it, the the only way that I knew that they were there is because they cheered. You know, they showed out for Posey and when Sandoval came up. Yeah, that's the only time I recognized them. And other than that, it's they were few and far between. When we were walking down the walking down the the concourse there, and it was, dude. I, I've never wanted more. I've never wanted more. I, I don't want other teams' fan bases. And I'm not saying this from a violent standpoint. I don't want other teams' fan bases to feel comfortable in our in our ballpark. No, I don't feel I don't comfortable want in Dodger that. Stadium. I, I want them to feel like, oh fuck, dude, like this is the Padres' house. Yeah. you know what I mean. Now I'm not saying that I want anyone to go out and beat the shit out of. Yeah, a Giants we don't want fan. anybody to fight anybody. But that's that's what I'm looking for. I want them to be like, hey, man, uh, oosh, man yeah, they're, I'm, they're I'm not going to be. I'm getting some stairs. They're not going to be. They're going to be like those uh, when we went to that Yankee game where Soriano was in left, and there was that one Yankee guy who was like, you know. He's talking some trash, but the Yankees weren't that good that year. And he admits, like, okay, okay, you guys got us. Like, yeah. we want that, right? Like, we want the fan to come in and be like, hey, I'm a guest here. Like, this isn't my team's house. I'm just a fan of the team, and yep. I'm not going to come in here and be an asshole about it. Yep. It's going to be a fan, just like, you know, we're fans when we go to other ballparks because this isn't my house. So I, I loved um, the environment. I want to start off because we we had named our last podcast, I think the time is now. Right. And I've, I've been on Twitter saying, like, the time is now. It's our time. Um the Padres prospects showed up they this did. weekend. Like, they showed the fuck up. Um, Tatis, and I put it on Twitter, like, I wasn't around for Benito. I barely remember Sean Burroughs. Like, Khalil Green was a September call-up, but I don't remember any of these guys. Maybe Alomar and Santiago and Tony did it in, in their day in, in Winfield. But, like, maybe it's because we feel like the Padres have a legitimate chance to compete and teams like the Giants are teams they need to beat up on. But Tatis was, like, just right out of the gate. Unbelievable. Yeah. Base hit gets a huge pop. Drops a he dropped a damn butt and Longoria makes a hell of a play on it and he beat it easily. Yeah. And easily. Which Ian Kinsler will be quick to let you know it was a bad bunt. Well, I don't care what Ian Kinsler has to say. <laughs> it I mean it was. It was it was a bad bunt, but pure speed and athleticism made yeah. up for it, dude. You look at the I saw things on Twitter that his sprint speed is right up there with Billy Hamilton. Yeah. So it's like holy shit, then you start to dream on that. Like, do we have a 30-30 guy at short? Yeah. Who's what a the? foot taller than Billy Hamilton? I can't, dude. It, yeah, it was it was great. Like to see him. He did him, steal a bag, I believe. He did by a mile. He did. He's not phased by the by the big stage. No, he's not. Spotlight. He looks. Every, he just he oozes charisma. Absolutely, like, just oozes presence and machismo, and he's he looks like he belongs. He does not look like the rookie in the headlights like we've gotten before, right? Like, um, 
I'm trying to think of guys like when Chase Headley came up, he struggled. Kuzmanoff, Jesus, he was like a black hole for like two months. Like yeah. Tatis is like, yeah, I've been here before. Yeah. That's that's how he comes off. Like yeah. he doesn't look like a rookie out there next to Machado. Like he looks like he belongs. Yeah, dude. Hedges struggled when he came up. Yeah. Um no, I'm kidding. <laughs> when he came up or he's still struggling. Uh, dude, so tell me if I'm wrong here. Here's what I was thinking the other day. And as much as I love Urias, dude, absolutely love Urias. You and I, big Urias dudes. And as much as I would have been happy for him to break camp, and as much as we expected, honestly, him to be a shortstop, Kinsler to be at second base, and the rest of the team basically as is, am I wrong to think, and I know the Giants are bad. I know they're terrible. But am I wrong to think that we, I don't think we go 3-1 and one without Tatis there at short. He is no, Tatis no, right now. He is four games into his major league career. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's their best player. He's their heartbeat, dude. Like Machado's good. Machado's really good. And that's why we brought him in. That's why he's getting paid the big bucks. But you can tell, dude, they feed off of his energy. He is the heart and soul of that team already. Already. Let's, let's remember this. When they brought Machado in, part of the pitch was we want you to mentor and take under your wing Fernando Tatis Jr. And Machado mentioned, not, you know, it wasn't preemptive. It wasn't like he was asked or pitched a softball question. He flat out said, when I broke into the league, J.J. Hardy took me under his wing. He was my guidance. You know, he, you know, he showed me how it was done and he led the way. And I want to be that for this kid. I 100% believe the idea of going after Machado, other than obviously he's a superstar. Right. You can argue he's a top five player in the game. Um, could very well end up being a Hall of Famer. A Padre cap, I hope. Yep. Amen. Um, he, I do not doubt, was brought in not just because of all that, but also because they have a superstar that they can lean on while they let who they really think is their best player develop without the pressure like a Rizzo had where we have nobody. Like when Headley came up, we have Gonzalez, right, and Giles. Like yep. when Headley came up, you know, it was literally like, we need you to be good as soon as possible. Whereas Tatis, it's like, hey, we have Kinsler. Like he'll be respectable. Like Hosmer will be respectable. Myers, who's off to a hot start, we'll touch on him in a second. Um, he's he's solid, you know. We have Machado as a superstar. Like, hey man, just I mean, they're batting him six. Just go out there and do your thing. Yeah. Do your thing. Be yourself. You know, find your way. Go through your ups and downs, and and you'll be fine. Um, but I I honestly believe that the idea of bringing in Machado was because they had got a chance to add a superstar, but they still view Fernando Tatis as the face of the franchise and the best player on the field. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I was sitting there, so it's kind of like going into the whole. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, going into the off season, and my dog's making a cameo here. Going into the uh, season, I was like, okay, we're going to have Machado. We're going to have Tatis. Like, I get it. Like, um, Ian, at I think it's um, Appreciated SD Fan or something like that. Every single day, he's like, just your daily reminder that Manny Machado is our third baseman. And it got to the point where even me, and I'm the king of running bits into the ground. I'm like, come on, guy. Like, we fucking get it. Okay? And I was like, all right, yeah, we get it. Tatis is our shortstop. Machado's our third baseman. And then when we're out there and we see him take the field... I was sitting there, and I don't know if it's because of the booze, and I was excited, but I was sitting there, I was like shaking you and AJ, I was like, we have fucking Manny Machado at third base, and Tatis at short, like, is this real life, Dude, I, I started a group hug and I jump up and down like we just won the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> it's, seeing where we're at right now, like, this is, and, and I kind of had a moment when we saw Machado out there, I was like, man, everyone has been sitting here saying, like, the Padres need this guy, we need him, we have a great farm system, but we need an elite talent like this guy, he fits in 
perfect. Like, we need this guy. And they went out and got him, dude. I, I can't. And they outbid another team for him. Yeah, I mean, it's the White Sox. Who cares? Know. They outbid him nonetheless. They spent more money. They gave him more money than the Yankees offered. They gave him more money than the uh, than the White Sox were offering. And those yeah. are two big market teams, despite the White Sox pretending they're not. True, true. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's to, to finally see us. That's where my excitement comes, to finally see us in a position to succeed and to see them get off to such a hot start. That's what gets me really excited, and that's what gets me dreaming on the rest of the season of what can be. Why I think it it can be for them this year is seeing how bad the Giants are, seeing how bad Arizona is. They got smoked. Yeah, the entire weekend, and we have them coming into town for a three-game set here today. Were they swept? I don't uh, think they were swept. I think was, they went three and one. Or they, one and, one and three. three. They went one and three. But they gave up like 40-something runs to Dodgers. Over you know, like eight three jacks the first night, I think. Absolutely terrible. So they're atrocious. So the Padres, their first month, basically they have the Giants, they have the Diamondbacks, they have a three-game set against uh, St. Louis. That's coming up this and week. That's it. Like most of their games, and I could be wrong. There could be there could be a uh, a homestand or you know on the road there, but I'm pretty sure a majority of their games in the first month of the season come against San Francisco, comes against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if you can beat up on those teams, you can beat up on them early, momentum will take you a long way. I think momentum will a lot of times over over uh, compensate for your projections. You'll, you'll play past it because you have the momentum. You're rolling. These guys know what it's like to win and to get them going this soon. And I, I'll still say, whether it's signing Keuchel, whether it's trading for Bauer, whether it's trading for Stroman, who, I mean, you know, whatever. They're one pitcher away. I really feel like they're one pitcher away at this point. And I think they're going to make a move. I mean, and it's not going to be Matt Whistler. who, <laughs> who just It came. might be. Who knows? I, I hope that's not the move. Uh, when are we getting Max Fried back? Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, you're right. And, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule now. So they have the Diamondbacks through uh, Wednesday. And then they have a, what is that, a two-game, a three-game set with the uh, – they take Friday off. That's weird. Very weird. Uh, but a three-game set with uh, St. Louis um, over the weekend, which I think is going to be their first real challenge. Then they go to San Francisco. Then they go to Arizona. Colorado's a two-game set. will be interesting. I think Cincy's going to be competitive. So I think that's a team that they're competing with that uh, greatly greatly improved over the offseason. Um, that could – I think they're trying to vie for a wild-card spot. So Even then, if you lose the rest of those games – as long as you win those series against the teams I just mentioned, we're looking good, dude, after yeah. the first month. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't know about if I buy into the whole momentum thing. Like the Mets got I off know to, you don't. The Mets got off to an 11-1 start last year, and they missed the playoffs. So, yeah. well, I mean, it, you know, it, it happens. You The Padres got off to a 15-5 and five start. Was it 10-5 and five or 15? Was it 10-5? and five. It was 10-5 and five in 2015. And that was it. Yeah, well, you <laughs> so, got me there. Um, but I think this team is better. I think this team is better built. I do think you're right. I do think they need starting pitching, um, which we'll touch on in a second here as far as opening weekend goes. Um, I'm not big on the trade. I'd rather just and, – and we're going to touch on this with the Twitter uh, – Padres uh, Twitter segment later on. But which is outstanding. Like you, Unbelievable. You take a bow. Take a bow. You we'll, know what? We'll get to it later. We didn't but. get as many shitbag questions as we usually get, but yeah. I'm really interested to hear the uh, the callers. You guys really showed out, man. I'm impressed. I'm absolutely this impressed. This will be good. I did yeah. get a preview of Mr. H.J. <laughs> Preller, which was <laughs> – Absolutely brilliant. So you guys Son are in, a bitch, you guys man. are in for a treat. Um, yeah. But let's talk about the pitching because I think you're right. I think signing Keiko for I think Kevin Ac reported 15 million. Mm-hmm. I, give that to him yesterday. Give that to yeah. him last week. Absolutely. Um, but the pitching was actually pretty impressive. Now um, I don't recall uh, Fuego start too much for <laughs> reasons unknown. Yeah. <laughs> but I recall him pitching very well. Yeah, um, he did. And then uh, Margavichus was very uh, was very impressive. I thought. 
You know, he was. It's like, he was, but he wasn't. He spots the ball well. Yes. And, and that's what's going to get him through. It's not where the gloves always at, but it's not down the middle. Movement and location. If he stays away from the heart of the play, he's going to be just fine. But, like, I was sitting there Saturday. So, Thursday was a day where I, I blacked out during the game. I'll be honest. I blacked out. Friday was your <laughs> your blackout day. and then Well, I didn't black out, but Saturday, uh, very toasty. Saturday, uh, I, was, I was there with my wife, so I can kind of focus on the game a little bit more. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and his first pitch, I saw it came in at, like, 87, 88. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but to his credit, he was able to spot the ball well. He he had a great outing. I was I was sh- I was shocked at three out of the four outings at how well they went. Well, yeah. actually two out of four. Lauer and because I wasn't Margaches. expecting much from Lauer. Yeah. No, I wasn't. And to his credit, dude, he again he didn't let the stage intimidate him. He came out. He did his thing. He was Eric Lauer. He pitched very very well. He was Eric Lauer. And uh, and and Margavichus was the same way. Where you know he didn't. He, what impressed me is, like you said, like I, I, watching the game, the big thing, I, I, I said this about Lucchese's, uh first outing last year's debut against the Brewers. I'm like, you know, he gave up some hard-hit contact that he got really lucky on. Because right. a lot of the balls Lucchese and his, if you go back and watch his uh, his his debut, there's a lot of pitches that were up over the plays, missing the glove. Now, Margavichis did miss the glove. Like, he was not um, hitting Mejia. Now, maybe if Austin Hedges was back there, he'd have had better location. But yeah, totally. With, with Absolutely. Mejia, with Mejia back there, you know, he was missing his spots. But the thing is, and I, you hear announcers say all the time, like, he's he's missing, but he's not missing over the plate. Like, he's not missing with, you know, letter-high fastballs at 88 out of the plate. When he was missing, even when they were up, they were on the corners, they were down and in. You know, they're they're missing on the edges of the strike zone where he's still getting some calls um, and getting guys to, to expand the zone and, and pitched. Very, very well. I was super impressed. And then, of course, there was yesterday. Oh, man. I'm going to let you take over on this one. Dude, Chris Paddock. Everything as build. It was basically watching his start yesterday. And obviously, I mean, a lot's been made on Twitter. I know. I went off the deep end. I couldn't make it to a start. It was the worst thing in the world. I get it. I watched almost his entire start. I'd say about a good 90% of it, non-runner. Yeah, so I was on my Fox Sports San Diego app. I did not play the field yesterday at all because I was watching the game on my phone. And the only time I was not watching the game is when I went up to bat. And when I go up to bat, the good thing is about Adult League is if you're a fat guy like myself, you get a non-runner. So basically, if you get on first base, you say, time. The last out comes out and they run for you. So my first at bat, I get hit. I get hit right in my, right in my love handle there. And I jog down to first base, get there, and I say, time blue, non-runner. And go right back in and watch Chris. Yeah, Pass. I was the victim of two of those. <clears throat> Dude, he was everything is built. He was everything, like everything that we watched in Elsinore, and we watched him a few times. He he's the same guy up in the major leagues. Like you want to talk about not being intimidated by a stage, dude. Like the the preparation that he puts into it and the intensity that he has. There was a lot of fanfare. There's a lot of the Paddock's posse signed or pins. There's the the cowboy hats, which I thought was great when they would show in between innings the guys in the cowboy hats standing up cheering. We're gonna do that, right? Like I, I, I legit want to go to a start and rock a cowboy hat. See, here's my problem with that. I feel like going forward, there's I, I don't think that that bit is gonna keep up that much. We'll see. I don't think it's gonna keep up, but I love seeing it and seeing him out there, man. And he uh, <laughs> when he went there and he he hit the line drive into right field and Gerardo Parra <laughs> smoked him at first. <laughs> I, I felt so I bad for him. I felt so bad for him, dude. It was like his brother was dogging him in the, yeah. uh, the in-game interview. Yeah, but dude, he was. I mean, there's nothing else to say. It's it was his first start, and we can already sit there and say, well, he was Chris Paddock. Yeah. Like we all know, you know. Thanks to guys like Mad Friars, and thanks to all the other outlets to where um, you can follow prospects these days, and like um, Elson online. Yeah, thanks to like Elson. We knew what we were getting with this with this guy, and he was everything is built. He's moving the ball, you, dude. His fastball. We were talking before we started. Like his fastball. Cuts to the right. He doesn't throw a two-seamer. No, he doesn't. But he has a lot of run on his fastball, and 
he did uh, the interview with Kevin Charity when we sat there, and he said, hey, I'm able to get the ball to move just by tweaking my mechanics slightly. Yeah. So he's able to do that. You see the fastball running uh, running away from the left-hand batters, and then he's throwing these up-and-in, like, front-door change-ups Dirty. to the lefties. Punched out, I think it was either Belt or Crawford. He punched Crawford. out looking. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, whatever. One of those two. But he's just sitting there, dude, and he's carving them up, and... and I'm sitting there, I'm like, can he make it as a two-pitch pitcher? Like, I'm, it's, I would never doubt him at all. I would never doubt him at all. But I'm like, as of right now, his curveball is a little bit behind, obviously, his other two pitches. So, can he really make it? And sure enough, he can, dude. Like, his first time through the lineup, and I do think he'll have to mix it up a little bit eventually because the book's going to come out on him. He's going to have to, the first time through the lineup, start showing that curveball more. I think so. Because right now, he's just going straight fastball and changeup the first time through the lineup. I feel like he did that all spring, and now he's, his first start, he did that. Here's the thing, though. I don't think he... Like, Tyson Ross is a prime example. Like, when Tyson Ross was going, it didn't matter if he was only two pitches, because that's all he was. Is As long as you can throw strikes, and with Paddock, the biggest the biggest tool on Paddock is command. It's not that just he throws hard. He does throw hard. He's a wipeout changeup. But we've seen it with guys like Edinson Volquez, right? Like, plus-plus stuff is useless if you can't tell it where to go. Paddock, I think, doesn't really need the curveball other than a show-me pitch every now and then um, because he can pretty much put the ball where he wants it. Like, he doesn't miss his spots very often. And we were talking, you know, before we started recording about, like, what's called tunneling. So, if you guys haven't seen it, look up Carlos Pena on MLB Network. did this great thing about pitch tunneling. But basically, what you're doing is you think of, like, you know, you're basically throwing the ball like a dart through a hole. And you're releasing in the same spot and throwing it in the same slot. Depending on what you're throwing, obviously, it's going to break differently. So you have Paddock throwing this, like, 94 fastball with arm side run in the same release spot. And then he throws a changeup starting in almost the same exact spot. There's some gif on Twitter uh, that showed it where it's Paddock throwing the fastball. And I and I told you, it's like you take your top right hand, right? Your top ball it up. Put your left hand ball it up right underneath. And that's where the release point is. If you're batting, you can't tell where the hell. Like, that's so close that you can't tell that those pitches are coming out of two different heights. Yeah. So you're sitting there thinking, and you see the arm side, you know, see the arm action, you see the spin, and thinking, oh, it's a fastball, it's coming right at me. And then you flinch, and boom, it's an 84 changeup. Yeah. Or you think it's a fastball, and you're going to try to jump on it because you think, okay, I got it. And then the ball just dives down and away, and you have no shot. Yeah. So to see him and how he approaches that, I don't think he really needs a curveball other than. What he used yesterday is a show-me pitch, and he got really unlucky on the one to Sandoval. Maybe it's easier to read because it's loopy, um, but the one he threw to Sandoval wasn't bad location-wise. He just barreled it. But overall, I think as a two-pitch guy, he's fine. I think he's going to carve guys up. I think he's going to get through six, seven innings a night once they you know, take off the leash, and he's going to be just fine. I also feel like the further he gets away from Tommy John and the more comfortable he gets in you know being a major leaguer, I feel like other pitches can come. He can toy around with the cutter. He can toy around with the slider. I think slider is the pitch for Chris Paddock. I like the cutter-slider idea, or maybe like a slurve. I mean, we know because we got to sit in on that interview with Kevin Charity, which, again, you guys can check out at Mad Friars, um, the kind of, like, tenacity that he brings, right? Like, yeah. he basically went and got himself better by himself. Nobody told him to get better. He went and rehabbed by himself. It wasn't a mistake that the young man made the Major League camp right out of spring training it's not a mistake at all that somebody like that who does things on his own without having to be told as far as we know makes camp yeah absolutely breaks camp i should say yeah absolutely so it i'll be interested to see as time goes on because pitching at the end of the day pitching is all about disrupting the hitter's timing and he does that very well very well so does he need the curveball maybe I, i i would like to see a little bit better i would too but 
it's not. I feel like his curveball is not make or break. I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to be a slider for him. I feel like the slide piece is going to really help him out. But I mean, to to the starting pitcher's credit, we always thought that their offense was going to click. Their offense was going to be the the thing that carried them this year. But their pitching might hold them back. Yeah. And this this uh, current homestand, the first uh, four games of the season, it was their starting pitching that carried him, and their offense hasn't really started clicking yet. You know, they have uh, Myers has been hot. He has been is, on God, I love fire. That, I am waiting for them to pull his because I'm sorry, the hair piece is just awful. <laughs> yeah. Like it looks like he took <coughs> a Yorkshire Terrier's coat and just glued it onto his forehead. Yeah. I am waiting for them to do the whole where they take the helmet off and for the hair piece to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> like they just pull it off and you sure Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the hair piece hanging out and yeah. shocker, Myers is bald. But yeah. um no, he's been he's been on a tear. Now, AJ Caswell said something, so this one's for Craig Meddy. I don't buy into the idea that lineup protection is going to improve your overall results. I think any evidence... Really? Because whoever's batting two in front of uh, Machado has been raking. I'm just saying. But we've seen Myers rake before. But something that AJ Caswell said in an absolutely stellar interview uh, with Darren Smith, you guys can catch that, um, I, I buy into what he says is that, you know, it's a lot of the stuff is anecdotal. Like, you look at long-term, and they've done studies, you know, it doesn't really get you better pitches to hit. It doesn't mean you're going to get you know, more pitches or, or that you're just going to be better. I do think there's a mental aspect to lineup protection. And for somebody like Will Myers, who has come out and admitted like, yeah, I've had mental, you know, tough, you know, mental issues um, with this game as far as staying focused, as far as feeling pressured. I do think that it matters that he's got Machado behind him or in front of him, or he's got, you know, Reyes behind him or in front of him, and that he can just kind of say like, I don't have to be the face of the franchise. I don't have to be the leader. I don't have to be the clubhouse guy. I can just show up and I can just be Will Myers, bruh. And I can show up and I can hit and I can steal bases and I can play, you know, left field. And, like, I can just kind of do my thing. And I don't have to worry about being the man. I do think that having Machado in the lineup does do that for Myers. I buy into the taking the pressure off of him in that he doesn't press. Right. Because that home run he hit against Bumgarner. Jesus. Yeah. Good grief. I mean, we were kind of toasted by the time he hit it. You know, in the, yeah. Was it the first inning? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, I think it was like 109 miles off the bat, uh, miles per hour off the bat. Uh, I think he hit 450-something feet. Like 456. He, he cleared the second deck in the, the, the sun deck. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And he's been hitting all series, playing good defense, made a nice throw. Dropped a fly ball that Machado threw a 95 mile an hour fastball to get a runner, but see a couple things and and I'll, I'll critique Will a yeah. little bit. That was a terrible play. He's, that was a terrible. Play. It was an easy. He's play. had he's had a little bit of communication issues with Tatis, the kind of in betweeners which have been notoriously. And awful Tatis speaks for clear, the concise English. There's no excuse. I kind of noticed because I noticed on I want to say Thursday and Friday there was a couple instances. One being that dropped fly ball by by Myers, which was bad. It was bad. And then also, I want to say Friday, there was miscommunication between Myers and also Tatis. So Saturday, I was kind of watching, and there's another in-betweener. And the, the ball's the ball's hitting the air. You see Tatis, he immediately tracks. He's going back, he's going back. And you can see him start to wave his arms. And wave his arms, like, uh, uh, vigorously. Yes. <laughs> Waving his arms. And he's sitting there, and you see Myers, he peels the fuck off. He's like, I'm not anywhere close to this right now. That's all you, bro. So I, I kind of like seeing that. There was also the play yesterday where you were out in the field, so you didn't see it. But there was a fly ball. Um, you mean I was playing at my adult game? There was a fly ball. It was, it was deep. I want to say in the right center. Uh, Will was on first. He ran past second base, touched second base, and went back. Oh, yes, I remember. When he went back to first, he didn't touch first. That's, second. 
or second, excuse me. That's inexcusable. Like yeah. you're a professional baseball player. You need to touch that base. Who are you, Ruben Rivera? You know what I mean? <laughs> like that you need to that needs to happen. And then you see um another thing, and this is very nitpicky. Very nitpicky. And again, I love Will Myers. There's the play where Paddock got hosed at first base. Will's coming around. And I want to say it was Will that came in to score or would have scored. But anyways, he's sitting there. He's like, no, no, no. And he's pointing towards home. Like, that run scored before there was a force at first. It's a force at first, guy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> that, like, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, God, come on, Will. Like, get your shit together. But yeah, again, he's not helping that's very nitpicky. Yeah. It's very nitpicky. As far as him, as far as him hitting, as far as him, dude, what has he swiped? Two or three bags already? I think so. Oh, I love that, dude. I love seeing Will do good shit like that. Because I love when he shits on the haters. Like, I, as much as too. people are standing for hedges and everything, Will Myers, that's my hedges. Yeah. That's my hedges. If anyone wants to talk shit about Will Myers, only I can talk shit about Will Myers, okay? Like, if anyone else wants to step, we can throw hands. <laughs> we can throw hands. I'm that passionate about it. No, I think you're right. I think, I think um, you know, with Will, th- those are bonehead plays. But I do think that, again, having Machado in the lineup, not, you know, having Hosmer last year, which he did very well when he was actually in the lineup. But, right. Um, you know, having Machado there, just like, I don't have to be the guy anymore. Like, I can just, Castleville mentioned it. It's like, you know, I believe it matters for somebody like Will Myers of Will Myers' temperament to just kind of show up and be like, I can just be Will Myers. Like, I don't have to be something I'm not. I don't have to, like, you know, be feel obligated to do these things because I'm the only guy on the team. Like, now, instead of being the guy that they build around, I'm just, like, I'm a piece of the puzzle now. Like, I'm part of the solution. Yeah. I'm not the solution. Yeah, I think that helps a lot for him. I do, too. I, I really do. I do, too. Um, the, the kind of the downer, I mean, not defensively. Defensively has been everything we've, we've wanted. But uh, Manny is pressing. He is. He is swinging out of his ass. I have noticed. Like, he has taken. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, too. I just wanted to connect. There are a couple times where he thought he had it. Yeah. There he was, got pet code a couple yeah, times. A couple times he got pet code. Yeah. Uh, Fran Meal got pet code. Yeah. Tatis got pet code. Yeah. He did. But, um, are I they not think... juicing our balls? <laughs> was it Medi? Was it Medi that said, hey, do they have a humidor now that we don't know about? Like in, in San Diego? Yeah. So there's a couple times where, where they connect, and I thought it should have went, and it didn't go. Yeah. So I, I mean, think I think he'll be fine. I do think he's pressing. I'm interested to see how he does tonight against the Diamondbacks. He's right back out there in the three hole, right where he belongs. Amen. Uh, defensively, he has been everything you could have ever wanted. Yeah. But he made that. Oh, and also, I love that he shits all over the Johnny Hustle thing because it's like you know I'm not a Johnny Hustle. Which once he elaborated on it, it's like you know I'm not gonna go hustle for show, right? Like I'm not gonna hustle just to hustle. This guy plays 150 plus games because he's not blowing himself out on every play. Yeah. You know, ground ball, double play, hit right at the third baseman where 99 percent of the time it's gonna be a double play. Why you blow yourself out? If he throws it away, you're going to beat it anyways. I'm, it's not like it's a slow roller. Dude, I'm so fine with people going 80% down to first. Yeah. I'm so fine. because 75, 80? Everyone's 80%. Well, most people's 80% is going to be close enough to where, hey, he puts a little bit of pressure on them to make the play, right? Yeah. They have to be crisp. Like, you see Tatis Jr., dude, and to, to this point, I actually kind of like it. So maybe I'm contradicting myself in the same sentence, whatever. But you see Tatis Jr., he's busting ass down the line on everything, which is cool. Like, I like watching that because I feel like that's how Harper was when he first started. Busting yeah, but look ass how often Harper yes. kept getting hurt. That's true. Like, Harper flew over a base. That's true. Ran and into a couple walls. You see Tatis, he's busting ass and to the point where he's almost beating out routine ground balls to shortstop. Almost. That's the thing. He's almost beating it out, but he's not. He's still out. And Tatis is one of the fastest guys in the league, is running at 100%, and he's still out. And he's not out by like, oh, bang, bang. Like, he's out by like a A couple times it's bang, bang. Yeah. A couple times. A couple times. But, 
Yeah, it's dude. I have no problem with people going eighty percent. You don't have to be John, Johnny Hustle for me. I don't give a not, shit. Not every play. Do like, you, Manny? Like, do you? Like yesterday, because I, I watched a little bit of the recap, uh, the replay, just because I wanted to see Paddock. And like, there's a play. Manny hustles. Like, oh, I can beat this ball out. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you pick and choose your spots. Like, he hustled. I think a run scored on that play, but he had to beat that out. And yeah. He beat it. He beat it out yeah. because he hustled when it mattered. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so we're just we're gonna go ahead and switch gears here. Um, our pals over at Mad Friars broke some news today about Javi Guerra getting uh, put into the bullpen. So we're gonna we're gonna talk to the man that broke the news, uh, David J from Mad Friars, in just a second. All right, so we are here with uh, Mad Friars' own Lord Voldemort himself, Arby's connoisseur, according to John Conniff. David J, welcome, David. I'd never believe anything that guy says. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we appreciate you coming on. Some some big breaking news today from the folks over at Mad Friars. You had a story about Javi Guerra, so the one time top prospect for the Padres at shortstop, who we really thought was our future, super hyped when we got him, is now moving to the bullpen. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think everybody who's followed the system has seen that he's really struggled offensively over the last few years since he's been in the system. Uh, you know he's he's on his third option year already because uh, because they had to be added to the, the roster in 2017, and the roadmap for getting him to the big leagues in that capacity looks pretty tight. Uh, you know he, he struggled mightily at the plate this spring, and so you know as I understand it, two weeks ago, not quite two weeks ago. Uh, Preller, Green, Sam Ganey, and a couple of folks approached him and just said, hey, this is an idea we want to try out. Are you open to it? Uh, and and he was. And so you know, they got him on a mound and, and let him just uncork a few just to see how it looked. And they were excited by the idea, and he was excited by the idea. And so uh, they, they have made the decision to give him a chance here to – to see if he can develop in that regard. So uh, when the full-season rosters were announced, uh, he is staying back at extended spring training. I know his name popped up on the Storm roster, but he is not going out with an affiliate to start. He's going to get a chance to adjust to the workload, the throwing program, the the arm care program that they run for their pitchers, kind of get into a rhythm, and you know they'll give him four, six, eight weeks, whatever the timing seems right, and, and make a decision from there whether whether he's ready to go out and where the appropriate level at that point will be. Wow, that's that's I that's something I didn't see coming at all. And I mean like you always think, hey the guys hey, they throw hard, maybe they can pitch, blah blah blah. Christian Bethancourt, you know, that's Renfro has said that about Renfro. Yeah, I've always wondered about Renfro, but I guess I never really noticed the arm on Guerra. Uh, maybe that's just me, you know, not paying attention, uh, which I'm very good yeah, at. Yeah, and it, he's had a true eight arm since before he was in the system. He he can make any throw from any spot on the field. Uh it's the one thing that even when he sometimes struggled with with some of the footwork uh, defensively, his arm let him get away with with a lot, and and it's always been a carrying tool. So, you know, I think the organization figured it is a really elite tool. So, see how it can be deployed differently. 
Wow. So these kind of things, usually like there's whispers about it. Usually there's this. Usually, you know, that you see tweets about it. People are in the DMs. But with Mad Friars, they have people on the ground. They're there at Peoria. And you kind of found out, it kind of sounded like you stumbled upon it. You were telling us before we came on, would you mind telling everyone like how you figured this out and how you found this out? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not the greatest case of investigative journalism ever. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, but, you know, when, when we're out at, at spring training, you know, we're, we make a point of being out at the field when the guys get out to stretch in the morning, which is, you know, 7.30, 7.45, somewhere in there. Um, you know, we, the first morning I saw him after he'd been sent over from big league camp, he came and sat in the back bullpen area for a little bit, which... It was especially common for position player guys, but, you know, it was literally his first morning back over on that side, and I figured he was just sort of killing time figuring out what he was supposed to be doing and where he needed to be. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, very few populations are bigger gossips than baseball scouts, and, you know, I, I had somebody reach out and say, hey, have you heard anything about this? And I hadn't, and I started looking around, and, um, had a chance to see him throw on my last day that I was over there, uh, you know, on, on the six pack. And, you know, it's, it's a really easy 98, which is a stupid thing to say, but, uh, he, he, he just naturally had nice rhythm to his delivery. He, you know, the, the catcher he was throwing to gave him a target. He hit it. There wasn't a lot of, you know, moving around to try and get after the ball. Um, you know, what I saw was was fastball only, and just you know him trying to get a sense for what throwing a, a professional bullpen session is like, right? And how do you how do you you know get on the mound, get your work in, take in the coaching that's there, um, you know, interact with your catcher, all that sort of stuff that. It's all the really behind-the-scenes developmental stuff. Um, that was that was what he was focused on when I saw it. So, you know, the you know the Padres obviously want to be protective. You know, he's a guy who certainly had a, a real journey since he's come into the organization. Um, they, they, you know, they want to be protective of him, but um, you know, he asked around enough and, and got some good answers, and so I was pretty cool uh, both. AJ Preller and Sam Ganey were, were generous with their time, and I thought gave some really nice insights that, that we got into the article um, about the what what this opportunity means and and how it fits into an organization that you know has has tried to be creative with a bunch of different things in the in the time that this regime's been here. So this is this is a mutual decision, right? This wasn't like the team saying, "Hey, we don't have a spot for you. You're not really performing anyway, so it's kind of sink or swim." Or did he approach the team about it, or was it just kind of like, "Hey, you throw hard, let's give it a shot"? Yeah. And my understanding is that the team approached him. Um, you know, I, I think okay, he's a guy who has really big natural skill, uh, who is who's struggled a lot to turn it into performance and you know I think he got on the mound he set some goals for himself he was able to meet those goals and you know I suspect that for him you know having not talked to him beyond just in passing um, you know I, I suspect that, that 
hey, this is something that's working the way I want it to, had to feel pretty good. And so I, I you know, my understanding is, you know, they'd had the first conversation and went and did not even a real bullpen, but just get up on the mound and see what happens. What happened impressed them. They all sat down together, and it was pretty quickly that everybody involved said, this is something we should explore further. Yeah, I mean, that that's, I mean, when when we got wind of it, when there, you, know, you guys were putting out the article, I thought it was pretty interesting in, in terms of how quickly that seemed to turn around for Javier. I mean, he was in camp, you know, two, three weeks ago. Um, as far as, and I think you guys touched on it again, we're talking with David J of Matt Friars at mattfriars.com. Go ahead and subscribe. Um, there were some talks that he threw some sliders. So, I mean, from your from your own vantage point, seeing him throw, you know, with the conversations you have with Preller um, and Ganey, um, do you have a feel of what they feel his upside might be? Well, I, I think, you know, when, when you're talking about a guy who hit triple digits the first time he stood on a mound, <laughs> uh, the upside is an elite reliever. You know, I think, you know, certainly there's a huge difference between standing on a mound with four or five guys just seeing what happens and getting into a game situation and having a batter in the box and, you know, what happens the first time somebody turns on a fastball and how does he respond to that? I think all of those are questions that are going to have to be answered, but he's going to have the opportunity to answer them. And, you know, I, I think... One of the things that, that I've, I've noticed over time in talking with this development group and, and their, the, the, the personnel team in general is, you know, they, they talk about guys are going to show us the answer to our questions. And I think that's what's going to happen here is, is the answer to what can he be is going to become pretty clear when he starts facing batters and at the Peoria Sports Complex in the next, you know, matter of weeks to maybe a month. Wow. Yeah, so it sounds like from what you said, it'll be a few weeks, maybe eight weeks until he finds an affiliate. Is that about right? Yeah, I, it, more than a month let, you know, before, before the draft, certainly. And I think, you know, again, that'll be a thing where, um, you know, if, if after six bullpens they say hey he's ready to get into a live bp situation it'll be then if they say hey we want him to throw three more before he has a batter up there then they'll do it that way um you know if if things click quickly it's possible he's to elsinore or whatever level he goes out to before some of the injury rehab guys who are ticketed to get out there in early may Wow. <laughs> That's just so crazy. It's insane. If you had told me a week ago, I'd be like, no way, dude. Absolutely no way. Well, hey, it's a project that we're we're looking forward to. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, um, we have our, our esteemed Padres Twitter segment coming up here. And I think we're going to go a little bit long. So I don't mean to cut you off. We might have to uh, check in with you guys at Madfires maybe next week in regards to who ends up where, the affiliates, and how they're going. But one thing, because I'll own, I love owning when I'm full of shit. And I put out there, when I heard that Morahone was scratched, I put out there, hey, I think a trade is coming. <laughs> so can you just confirm to everyone else what they already know, that I'm, I'm full of shit and he, he's actually not going to be traded right now? Uh, the sun is coming up in the east tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
I mean, they, they pushed him back a day. He threw on Saturday. If, <laughs> if you start counting days, throwing yeah. Saturday lines him up to throw the opener for the Todd Boodles on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so he gets to be the first person in the history of the game whose name is attached to that absurdity. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's, that's what makes, that, that is my assumption is that, that they wanted to get him thrown on the opening day. And, I think people in the organization don't see a lot of daylight between Mackenzie Gore and him in terms of what the ultimate ceiling could be. So I'd be pretty surprised to see his name included in any trade package at this point. All right. Fair enough. Fair I enough. Like, I like David J. I always love what he you has know, to say. Try again tomorrow. You might get something right then. <laughs> fair enough. Well, hey, you know what? When you when you stumble onto the backfields with uh, unwrapping your beef and cheddar, you never know what you run into. In this case, it was David J. finding out that Javier is a reliever. So. He has the scoops and the meats, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, David, uh, great story. Um, follow him at DM. It's at DMJ. Uh, make sure you guys follow Mad yeah. Friars. Uh, make sure you subscribe, drop the coffee, and subscribe. Uh, David, we appreciate you coming on, man. My pleasure. Have a great one, guys. All right, thanks. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Oh, good stuff by Lord Voldemort. Let's get Conniff on He's... the line. Maybe he'll be nicer to you. <laughs> I think that's my favorite bit, dude. When Get Conniff on the line. <laughs> yeah, when it's on Mad Friars, you look at their feet, and you can clearly tell it's David J. And um, Oscar, uh, Oscar the other day, yeah. he's like, David J, log off, bitch. <laughs> And Menzraya says, get Conniff on the line. Oh, God, it was great. But anyways, um, I'm, I'm super excited, man, about the Padres Twitter segment. We've been, we've been really uh, pushing it, and you guys have responded in a great way. So we're going to go ahead and get that started. We'll, we'll take turns going back and forth. So you can read one off of there, and I have the recordings here on my phone. So if you want to pick one to read, go ahead, go ahead and pick it, and I'll get the recordings ready. Okay. Let me go ahead and start pulling up my uh, mentions here, which rest in peace, Jesus. <laughs> so um, I thought this was a good one here as I uh, run over it. This is from uh, Keegan Otska at Otska 5 If Lament returns as a starter this year, who gets bumped from the rotation? That's a good question. I mean, we're... we're That's why I chose it. We're assuming that uh, Margavichus is in the rotation, right? I would assume like, so. We're assuming there's no sign for, like, a Keiko or a trade or any of that. Um, I, I would say probably have to be Margavichus. I mean, it, it, it depends on how people are doing at the time, of course. But it, looking at it right now, it's it's Margavichus. But I... I'm not sure if he's going to come back as a starter. I don't think he'll come back as a starter. If he does, I have been all for the uh, six-man rotation. Right. Because it's going to stretch out Paddock, and if we really do have a wild card run, I think that helps everybody out. Uh, but if he does come back, I would personally like to see him. Because I, I think like Lamette's kind of like a poor man's Paddock, right? Like it's two wipeout pitches. He just doesn't know where they're going. Right. So I would love to see him come back. I'd love to see him bring up Michelle Baez if he's ready and develop him this way. Um as like a multi-inning reliever because we have so many young guys that we don't know if they're going to turn the lineup over more than like twice, which I think is 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 a fair worry, um, a fair concern. I think if you bring those guys up like a Lamette when he's ready and then Baez and say, hey, like, you know, you guys are going to go out there once or twice a week and you're going to give us like two or three innings a pop. Like yeah. how they used Strom last year. I'm fine I with think that. That's, I think that's good. When, when exactly is Lamette supposed to be coming back? 
Um, it's got to be towards the very end of the year, right? He had surgery, I want to say, like like three weeks. We, we got to look up our uh, our uh, Road to Elsinore podcast because that's when I want to say it was late surgery. April, early May. I think you're right. So if he comes back at all this year, it's going to be towards the very end of the year. So at that point, give us long relief, dude. Give us mop-up. Give us whatever. Like, give me yeah. an inning or two out of the bullpen. So. I think it makes us stronger by having him come out of the bullpen anyways. Agreed. Um, do you got a, a one queued up? Because I have another one I want to go over. So I have one queued up here. Oh, We're going to start wholesome, okay? Oh, and then it's it's quickly going to turn into a shit show. So let's play the first one here. Hi, Danny and Eric. It's the Geeks are here. First time, long time. This is for either one of you. Just wondering who you enjoyed watching the most on the field opening day weekend and also who you enjoyed watching off the field this weekend, you know, especially like at Corey's tailgate party. Okay, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Geekster. We always appreciate you. I love Padres Geekster strictly because she asked me to sign a baseball in Peoria. (laughs) And nobody has ever asked me to autograph their baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So So. to, to answer your question, Geekster, and thank you. To answer your question, as far as who I was most excited to see on the field, I think, like, I'll say it again, Tatis. I, I feel Absolutely. Like he's, I feel like he's the heart and soul of the team. Like, it doesn't get any better than Tatis. As far as off, well, do you have anyone else other than Tatis? Well, I didn't get to make Corey's uh, tailgate party because, again, I was a little bit busy uh, prior to opening day starting. Um, but on field, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Tatis has been... I, I, keep throwing on Twitter like he's been everything we've ever expected he's a superstar right now I would say I would say off the field for me Corey dude I love Corey Stewart. Corey's awesome so great um Corey's up there I think a very very close second and they might be one and one a Gavin <laughs> at CT what's left of SD. him Gavin was fucking tanked at opening day he was tanked when i got there and then he came back like four <laughs> years later he spilled beer on me on my manny shirt yeah and he was and then he came back like i think in like the seventh or the eighth and i'm like how is this guy still alive like his liver is yet to collapse <laughs> i don't understand it but i got an even better one Ew. so this is my i guess off the field more you know padres twitter. number one i love you guys padres twitter but we can't chant padres twitter you can't chant for yourself <laughs> you marks uh, number one number two i did get to witness live the uh, riveting interview with Andy Mazzone of the Mazzone Minute oh. and Eno Saris. Yeah. So I will say that was probably the highlight is that I got to watch that live. That was great. That was that was greatness personified. But yeah, dude, Gav- I, I think, okay, I take it back. I love Corey Stewart, but Gavin was off the field. That the absolute greatest. God almighty. He was slurring his words. He, he was telling me a story about growing up as a kid. Making blah, out blah, blah. with dudes or something. I think he said he <laughs> no, that's tongue- Corey. I think he said, was it Corey? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty anyways, sure Gavin's. Anyways, anyways. Anyways. He's sitting there. Gavin had his arm around me for, I want to say, a good inning and a half. <laughs> I was gonna say thirty minutes, but that sounds about right. Just around my shoulder. Yeah. It was, dude. It was you guys amazing. gonna tongue kiss? It's we, pretty, pretty. We had a stuff. moment. We had a moment. Yes. So. We did. so speaking of a moment, I do want to take a moment. Very serious stuff here. This is from Mr. Uh, Gustavo Sanchez uh, with the accent on the A at Jess F seventeen. Uh, hey guys, first time, long time. I have no message other than my best friend smoked some weed and is now in critical condition. Oh. I would like uh, a uh, a like would go a long way. On advocating against this terrible disease. So he's already got nine likes, a couple retweets. So if you guys can go ahead and give uh, Gustavo Sanchez at Jessef17 uh, some likes, uh, my condolences to his family. I hope his cousin pulls through, Eric. You know what, man? So many lives have been lost to marijuana. And I just. Just, just seeing the, the havoc that it wreaks on everyone, you see people who are completely healthy, dude. They smoke one marijuana and they die that same day. Like, I, I can't stress enough and then we have the government out here trying to trying to kill us by having it uh legalized for us so all strictly people, to tax us if you to tax us and to have us kill ourselves if you guys see anyone who is about to inject 
smoke or pass a marijuana to one of their or friends. Or eat. Now you can eat them. Yes. Or ingest a marijuana. Please stop them immediately for, for their greater good. So I have another one here. Nice recording, guys. Hey, this is Sean. Uh, Twitter handle at Seanaker. Uh, had a blast at opening day. I have one question for you, and I know it's a bit of a Padres Twitter bugaboo from what I've heard. What the hell does everyone have against the wave? Go ahead. At me. Bring it on. I don't care. Uh, are we against casual fans who aren't diehards also enjoying the game? Are these the same people that hate the Anchorman thing because it's a non-baseball thing? Uh, get over it. Hopefully you have a good time. See you guys out there. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate it. Oh, that. man, he's going to get it. That is a ballsy. I have respect for Sean. Yeah. That's going to earn you a follow. Oh, that should earn you about 50 follows. I'm going to make <laughs> some burners to boot it up. That is a, a ballsy question. I'll start. First and foremost. People hate the wave, dude. They do. I'll, I'll, I'll be for I don't know how other people feel. I don't really care. I like the Anchorman thing. Like, I know people get pissed off as, oh, you know, stay classy San Diego. But it's something. It's something. And it's it's different. Like you know, the Washington Nationals do their presidents thing. I don't care. I don't. I like the Anchorman thing. I think it's funny. Um, my issue with the wave is that it's not related to the game, and it's not done at any particular time. You know, it, it, there's like there's no time where it's done where it seems appropriate, right? Like you're literally distracting from the game. I remember 2010 um, when the Padres were in that run where they you know, ended up choking away the division, but it was the middle of the summer where they're still doing good. You know, Matt Latos threw a gem against the Nationals. Heath Bell came in to close it. And they're doing the fucking wave. I'm like, we have a first place team. There's 40,000 people here. Why aren't we, like, getting loud for the team? Like, I like the whole get loud stuff, you know, when they get the fans involved, the hat shuffle. Like, there's times for the wave. I feel like when you're in the middle of an inning, just because you're bored and you don't want to pay attention to and appreciate the nuance or the tension of the game, doing the wave, it's like, you're just shitting all over the guys on the field. Like, there's a game going on. Do it in between innings. Don't do it during the game. Yeah, okay. That's my biggest issue. It's a huge distraction when it's done during, like, actual, you know, gameplay. In between innings, I have no issues with it. That's your long-winded answer. My short-winded answer is, I think the Anchorman bit is played out. I hate when, I hate the state classy San Diego shit. <laughs> I'm so over it. But that being said, to your point, it's original. No other teams are doing it. Yeah, it's uh, fine. If they would have started it years ago, that would have been better. Instead of, what are we, a decade out from that movie, if not longer? Well, we should have signed Vlad Guerrero, too, but we ended up with Machado. Sometimes things take time. Yeah, it's whatever. I mean, it's the Anchorman race is kind of whatever to me. The Wave, you would think that I would be on board with, like, hey, sit the fuck down. But, dude... I have no problem with the wave. I, I have quit. no I have no problem with the wave whatsoever. Like, you know what? People enjoy it. Like, everyone sit, imagine being the person sitting there grumbling like rah, 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 rah. When, when people are sitting around you and the other 40,000 people here are enjoying themselves and having a good time. Like, if you don't like the wave, fucking sit down for it. Why? Or, or stay stay fucking standing the whole time if you're worried about people standing in front of you. you and can. that way, that way when someone behind you says, "Sir, sit down." Be like, "No, the wave's going on." So now you're fucked. <laughs> You know what I mean? That last one's a good point. But you the can't, wave is fine. You can't it's enjoy fine. the actual game. Didn't you go to the game to watch the game, not to do the wave? So what, dude? I've been doing... I've... Well, I don't... Okay, I don't partake. So <laughs> I should throw it out that way. But I don't have a problem with people who do. I don't have a problem with it. If you enjoy the wave, do the fucking wave. Next question. All right. So uh, this is a good one on Twitter. Uh, no mames. <laughs> My favorite Twitter. <laughs> 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 Maybe if I just realized what it was. Uh, this is at SD Goon. Again, no mames. At SD Goon. Uh, what would an acceptable record look like at the end of the season? 500 above, 90 wins will we riot. I'll go ahead and let you take lead on that one. At this point, man, seeing this, seeing the start that they've been off to, I would be, I would be disappointed if they are under 500. 
seeing what they have now, seeing what these guys are like. And yes, I get it. It's four games in. But seeing what they have right now, I would be disappointed with under 500. I think I predicted 80 and 82. But at this point, seeing how at least the first time through the rotation their starters are doing, I would be disappointed with under 500. I really think this team is is close to contention. A few things go right here and there. I think they're right in the thick of things. So that's my question. Or that's my answer. I agree with you. I think anything under 500 because they brought up Tatis, they brought up Paddock. You know, I think... You know, if you're a war guy, I think that easily compared to what the alternatives were um, is easily, you know, could be potentially good for a two to five game swing. And I had said before, like, I feel like once they sign Machado, you know, assuming improvement with Reyes over a full season, assuming Myers stays healthy and Hosmer bounces back, which I think is realistic, um, we're getting contributions elsewhere. Like, I felt like they were like a 70, maybe 75 win team already. And now you bring these guys up. I think they do push closer to 500. I would say if they don't win at least 81 to 82 games, um, it's going to be a disappointment. I think at this point, like, you have your future superstar left side of the infield on both ends, right? Like, the only guy we're really waiting for at this point, like, who are we waiting for? Yeah. Urias. Yeah, Urias. That's it. That's really the only guy we're really waiting for to come up and be like, okay, this is the next piece of the puzzle. Um, So I would would say, you know, if they're not 81, 82 – uh, wins this year, I would say that's a disappointment. I think the front office is looking for that too. I think Preller's tired of picking in the top 10, and I think given how much money they've spent the last three years, ownership is probably wanting to see a little bit more, which means uh, maybe Andy Green's fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, you're going out there, huh? All right, well, um, here's one. I'll, I'll go off of a reading one, okay? So, Menzraya, at Cavs for days, he says, and by the way, I should point out, I love all you guys on Pottery's Twitter. I love everyone on Pottery's Twitter. I think Menzray is my favorite guy on Padres Twitter, dude. He is so fucking funny. The guy lays me out all the time. So anyways, what are the pluses and minuses of the three acquisitions reported by Rosenthal and Lynn yesterday? He says signing Keuchel, trading for Kluber, trading for Stroman. I think you can kind of lump them all in together. Um, As far as minuses for me, I... The worst case scenario on these guys, if you sign Keiko, worst case scenario, he sucks. Or worst case scenario, you sign him for three years, he sucks for two years of that deal and he's in the bullpen or you release him or you eat the money. Oh, God, that sounds awful, though. <laughs> worst case for, for Kluber, you trade away a decent prospect. He comes in. He's not that good. He, he moves the bullpen or we eat some money. I, I don't think they're going to trade for Kluber. I think they're going to go for Bauer, if, if I'm being honest, out of those guys. Um, as far as Stroman, I don't think Stroman's even going to happen, so I'm not going to touch on it. But, I mean, as far as the plus, I th- Keiko, all he costs is money. We all know that. Uh, Kluber, it, it depends on the deal. It depends on the deal. But if they're not willing to go $15 million for Keiko, Kluber's making about that much. So I don't know if they're going to go for that for him. So Yeah, I think with Kluber, too, it's like an age issue because, you know, we've, we've talked about it, right? Ten stop, right? There's, there's only so many bullets in the chamber. Um, the thing with Bauer, like, he hasn't been healthy, but he's still relatively young. Um, he's like still really young. Um, Kluber's been around for a while. He's done all these 200 inning, you know, years. So I do wonder, you know, how how much longer is he going to go? And you know, based on his age, you know, if he if he takes a dive, you know, you're still stuck with him for three years. Um, I think Bauer's the most realistic uh, acquisition of the three, as far as like a trade piece goes. Of you know, Kluber, Bauer, Stroman. Um, I do like Bauer a lot. I have a hard time seeing how Cleveland could logically try to justify trading away from, like, basically their 1A guy. Right. Um, and arguably who's their best pitcher last year, if not for injury, um, to add into the outfield. Like, you're taking away to add elsewhere. I know they have depth, but I see that as a, as a hard buy, unless they're, like, really scuffling. Yeah. Um, 
my pick, and this is completely out of left field. I think the Mets are going to flop, and we're going to trade for Thor and oh, Ozem. Interesting. So that's my. That's that's what I think will happen. I think the Mets are going to flop. It's in a really tough division, and I think uh, good old BVW over there is going to have to make some <laughs> trades. And I think Thor will be on the market, and we might be able to get a lot for a little. Um, but I think of those guys, I would I would prefer Keiko of all of them because. Hmm. I'm I'm not the guy I don't want to hug all the prospects. Like I'm more than willing to make trades and deals. Like I was saying, like hey, you know, if you can get you know John Carlos Stanton, like ask them what do they want if they're going to eat some money. Um, I do think there's a time and place for it. I want to see the farm like build the core first. Like I think we have the very very beginning makings of a core, but I don't think we have enough up yet to really like say hey let's go all in let's dump you know two top fifteen prospects and a couple more. Like I want to see what they do. And to me, I don't think they need like. I would love Bauer. I can't say they don't need Bauer. Any team needs Bauer. But I think for the Padres, because of A, it only costs money in Keuchel, and B, you know what you can get out of him. You know, you got a great left side of your infield. We've already seen it in the early weekend uh, series here. And with Keuchel, you know he's going to give you, you know, he's probably going to miss a month now, but 150, 170 innings. So I think because you can rely on that, you need that anchor in the rotation to be what you wanted James Shields to be, where just go out there, be, you know, your everyday blue-collar working pitcher, Give me a you know a three and a half a three eighty RA. Get yourself some ground balls and just give me six or seven every night, and then we'll patchwork the rest. Because I think Fuego will be fine for one hundred eighty. Yeah. I think Lauer would be fine if he can you know you know prevent runs enough to get it to one eighty. I can't imagine it'd be worse than Richard. And Richard got to that point. So I think getting somebody like Kako to give you that, so you have three or four guys now who can do it as opposed to one or two. Um, I think makes a huge impact, and I think very much pushes him into the second wild card. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. So there's, um, I want to play this next one. Okay, the recordings are going to start to get a little bit worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so uh, I'm into I'm, the abyss. Yeah, here into the abyss we go. What's up, guys? It's Pimo at Uncle Pimo. I just wanted to say we've been talking about the entire off season and now going into this first week. Everybody's feeling great. Finally, spent some money. We got Machado. We got hot shit. We got Tatis. We got Paddock. It's great. But you know what's bullshit? The fact that our cheapskate owners still haven't put a Chili's into Petco Park. How the hell am I supposed to puke at the stadium if they don't have a Chili's? Thanks. I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> so that's our pal at Uncle Pimo. Thank you for that, uh, should, Patrick. Should we give him the backstory on nah, this one? No, nah, no, dude. Well, this episode's going to go way too long today. Okay. So anyways, uh, well, yeah, quick backstory. Uh, Patrick threw up about 1230 to 1 o'clock in the afternoon outside of a Chili's in Peoria. So <laughs> Let's get to a real question, please. <laughs> Let's get to a real question. Uh, uh, Los Abuelos at uh, Loanado. Uh, the Frans, I'm assuming uh, Franchi and Fran Meal, are 1 for 19 going into tonight to open the season. No need to panic, but what's your reaction? Who seems most lost? He feels it's Franchi. Who are we least worried about? For him, it's Reyes. And do we think... Um, oh, he's talking about uh, Francisco Mejia as well. And do we think Mejia is going to get stale on the bench? Um, I'll take the lead here. I think Franchi, um, for me, when they got Brito, I thought it was to option Franchi down because I do think he could use the everyday at-bats. I am not impressed with Cordero defensively in center. It, I, I know it's small sample size, but I don't feel like he's very good in center. Um, and I think of the guys that they have, like, he needs to get every day at bats. He's, he's squeezed out already. Yeah. So I, I feel like, yeah, he probably should go down to AAA. I feel like hopefully they'll clear Brito and they can bring him back up. Um, I have no issues with, with Framil. He got pet code a couple times. Um, he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but I do think, yeah, I do think Mejia could get stale. I called this on Saturday when they were like, oh, Mejia's starting. And I'm like, we all know damn well that the only reason Mejia's starting Saturday night was because they want – 
uh, hedges to play the Sunday game. They don't want him to play a day game after a night game. That's the only reason Mejia started. Now, I am okay with splitting time. I understand there is value in hedges. So, that's fine. But you got to play Mejia more than once every five or six yeah, games. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that a little later because I, I want to say one of our one of our uh, recordings here oh. is very passionate about our stance in the Hedges-Mejia debate. Um, dude, as far as... Franchi, every time I see Franchi, man, he's so frustrating because he has all the tools. He has all the tools, but it's just, it never clicks, or at least it hasn't clicked yet. So I feel like that's the way I feel about him, and I understand that that's how some people feel about Will Myers, but I feel like every time I see Franchi, he's lost. I want him to succeed, but he's kind of in the point now where he has to sink or swim at the major league level. Like, going to AAA does nothing for him. Like... But to that point, like, he should just be, I don't know, man. I don't know at this point. Because you can't afford to play him. You can't afford to let him stumble through himself and find himself at the major league level. You can't do that anymore. So, do they send him down? Does he does he crush through El Paso? Who knows, man. But I, I think it's it's coming a lot quicker than what we had thought that the time might be short for Franchi. So, I'm getting to the point where if they want to trade him, Go ahead. <laughs> just I am more than open to it. Yeah, just just go ahead and trade him. So, um, anyways, here's what I want to go to next. Um, I'm going to do two in a row. So this first one, uh, let's let's go here. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Fritz here. Oh, so God. you guys spent the past month talking about how much you guys want to support the local beer scene here in San Diego. I meet you at the Mighty 1090 party at Bootlegger on Thursday, and what are you drinking? Fucking Coors Light, dude. That's pathetic. <laughs> Thank you, Fritz. We, I thought I ran into Fritz uh, in the line uh, getting to the stadium. Him. It was actually Andy Ashby. At, yeah, I, I saw him at Bootlegger, and yes, I was drinking Coors for a couple reasons. One, it was a special for seven bucks. You got a shit ton of beer, and th- and two, I was buying for a bunch of people. So I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, go ahead, but go ahead and get a beer on me, Coors Light. Y'all want some Coors, Coors Light? Coors Light only. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was. <laughs> God, that was, that was I like the Swinging Friar uh, Ale. I'll say it. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. I thought it tastes pretty good, and I got six free souvenir cups out of it, so <laughs> yeah. I can't beat that. Big fan of the Swinging Friar Ale. That's that's me for sure. So I got another one I want to play here for you. Hey, Eric and Danny. It's Alec Weber at Alec Weber 19 It is with a very heavy heart that I'm calling today. My cousin, who is a big Padre fan, very huge supporter of the 5.5 podcast, Loved his Helene Fryer Ale, and above all, believed that SDSU doesn't deserve the Qualcomm site. He passed away this past weekend, right after opening day, due to a marijuana overdose. And so, if you could just give him a shout-out on today's pod, that would mean the world to him. Thank you guys for being such class acts during this very tough scene. I really appreciate everything that you do. On a slightly happier note, how psyched are you about Chris Paddock? Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell is he expects us to talk about Chris Paddock after that? Well, number thoughts one, thoughts and prayers to your cousin. Yeah, Alec. thoughts and prayers to because uh, we all know and we know that he would damn well rise out of the grave to stand up for the troops. That's Absolutely, the, that's the kind of family that Alec is uh, is related to. That's the kind of family he surrounds himself with. Absolutely, um, I'm super pumped for Paddock. All he did was prove to me that he's their staff face and he should have been going opening day, regardless that they won or not. That's I mean, it is what it is. Dude, Paddock is a fucking dude. <laughs> he is a dude. We man. haven't had a pitcher with that kind of like, like intensity, personality, like that. That he's he's just magnetic. We haven't had that since Jake Peavy. And I would say because Paddock plays up the cowboy bit with the hat and the boots, the suits, the hype video that they played with the uh, 
with the uh, sound like the Sons of Anarchy theme. Um, like we haven't had that since Jake Peavy. It is yeah. unbelievable. Absolutely, he is the man in the rotation. He's he is the Fernando Tatis of their pitching staff. Just. Yeah. Everybody's gonna feed off that energy. Absolutely, and you know what? I'm really, I'm really sad that, and I feel like we gotta cut this a little bit short. So I don't think we're gonna do any more of the uh, questions unless you see some there that you read that you really think is, you know, pertinent. But I, I really appreciate you guys reaching out here because we have a lot to go through, and unfortunately, I'm not able to put all of them onto here because that would be way too long. There is a string of about four of them. <laughs> That I want to play, that I want to play at the very end. So after the whole outro, I'll play the outro music for like ten seconds, and then I'm gonna go on this string of four uh, calls that you guys have to listen to. Um, but this one, in particular, kind of caught my interest here, and it it has to do with the uh, Hedges and Mejia debate. Eric, Danny, it's Chad, the Chandler. Uh, you know I'm fucking coming for you with this Hedges shit. All right, so you saw my video that I posted. All right, Hedges is clearly uh, a very critical part of Paddock's success. And Paddock says he's blessed to have Hedges as his catcher. I feel the same way. Even if Mejia has the higher potential with the bat, which I agree, you cannot dispute that right now Hedges is the best option for our team. Not only because he still has upside with his bat, but he's so critical for just not only Paddock, the most exciting pitching prospect we've had in fucking years, but for basically <laughs> any other young pitcher we want to put in the rotation, having Hedges as the catcher is a huge factor in whether or not they're going to be successful or not. And uh, if you don't believe me, fuck you. Go look at that fucking video again. All right? So, look, look, I'm not just... Dispu- I don't want to get rid of Mejia, all right? Because I know that people's reaction is to what I'm saying. I, I'm, we should definitely keep Mejia. Keep them both in play. But... You guys saying that Mejia needs to be our, our starter, our main starter over Hedges is absolutely bullshit. And uh, Paddock Start recently just proved that. So I guess this isn't really a question, but more of I'm right, fuck you guys. Bye. <laughs> Christ. Oh, that's amazing. First of all, what the, what the fuck is Paddock supposed to say? Ah, Hedges is all right. Of course he's going to give his guy props. Of course he's gonna give his catcher props he's he, that's what you do like of course everyone knows that paddock is or hedges is good defensively whoopty fucking do basically what my point is is we can't sit here and clamor for the prospects to come up and be really excited about the prospects except when he plays the same position as handsome hedgy you know what i mean like um francisco Mejia, he's 23 years old like he has to play he has to play and i can't wait i can't wait until we get to the day with the automated strike zone so hedges is worthless rendered useless (laughs) at that point he's completely (laughs) rendered useless dude i can't wait and i was sitting there the other day actually last night i was sitting there and i was kind of talking about the hedges and mejia debate he's starting tonight i was yeah he is starting tonight i was getting heated i was getting heated i'm sitting there and i'm thinking to myself i would never i never sit here and openly hope that players get hurt so i don't want hedges to get hurt but I don't want him to play. I don't. <laughs> so I'm like, God, dude, can he just get popped for roids or something or coke? Can you imagine? Can he just he got popped for roids? <laughs> <laughs> can he just like get popped for something so he's just he does not have the option of playing at all? Can you imagine? God, that would be glorious. I don't mind hedges. I really don't. Like I like hedges. I was all in on hedges. Until we got Mejia, but I feel like we give this guy a pass. Like, my logic, oh, you know, he's blessed to have him. Look, 
Chris Paddock was throwing to Marcus Green Jr. and uh, Luis Torrens in single A last year. Eric and I caught a couple of his starts, and those were his starting catchers. I don't give two flying fucks who's behind the plate. Chris Paddock is just good. Yeah. Like, Austin Hedges is behind the plate tonight for Strom, who has pitched well pretty much his entire tenure, and he sucks right now. He's got a runner on second with one out, and he's given up three runs. Like, it doesn't matter who's behind the plate. It doesn't matter who's behind the plate. Let Mejia play. If you're going to split time, great. But Mejia should be playing more than once every fucking Saturday. He's never going to get the opportunity to succeed as long as Austin Hedges is on the team. That's oh. why I'm sitting here, and I'm like, please, please, just get popped for something. Marijuana. <laughs> I don't think they can get dinged on the major league. Adderall. Let's maybe it gets popped for Adderall. Yes, please. Just <laughs> something, dude. Pop for roids. <laughs> so great. There's gotta be something. Oh god. Alright. So last one here. Okay, okay. Hey, what's up guys? It's Devin. Uh my Twitter handle is Lover of Shrimp. Uh not an opening day reaction, but a yesterday reaction. Uh so I've been sitting at work all day watching Chris Paddock's reaction to striking out the side. And it got me so pumped up, like, in my private areas. I don't know if this is normal. Um, so if you guys could confirm that that's a normal thing, uh, I'd appreciate it. Very normal, Devin. <laughs> There's nothing weird at all about openly openly admitting to getting an erection watching a grown man pitch. Nothing at all. Although I would advise <laughs> uh, to follow Kevin Acey as, according to Ace, if it's uh, lasting longer than four hours, then perhaps you need medical attention. Perhaps. Perhaps. So, yeah, again, there's there's a lot of them here. Um, some of them went a, a little bit a little bit long, so I can't include them because it's, you know, we're already going long on this podcast here today. Uh, Ryan Cohen reached out. It was great. Thank you for that, Ryan. Um, there's also, dude, a guy from Australia reached out to us. Dude, I think that's awesome. That That's amazing. Like, one, that we have a Padre fan in Australia, and two, that he actually listens to our podcast, like... I'm I'm completely flattered, but and and at the same time I'm like yeah I'm not gonna play your thing, but hey thanks, um but yeah I, anyways guys I after the outro make sure you stick around because I'm gonna I'm gonna play a, a a few of them here that are that are pretty good so um anyways we're gonna get out of here is there anything else you have to say before we before we take off uh no but I other than uh you know Padres Twitter segment I think this is a great idea Eric this is why you are the brains of the operation <laughs> and I just show up and ramble so. yeah. Really good idea. This has been entertaining. I can't wait. I have not heard the end of this, guys. So I'll be uh, I'll be finding out as you do as Eric uh, puts us on here. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, it was. I, I think it was a raging success. The Padres Twitter segment. A raging um, we'll hard. Find ways, check it out in four hours. Success. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll find ways to cut it down next week. I know we went kind of long in the pod, uh, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Let's get some fucking W's this week, man. Let's let's increase this lead or let's take this lead from LA. Let's uh, let's get some W's, boys. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. So I want to play this one first. This one's not HJ, but someone fucking left this shit for us. Listen. Members of our organization will be watching to make sure you do not get high. Hello? Are you still there? <laughs> they called some like addiction network there? hotline or some shit. Watch, here go. If you get caught smoking, you will be reported to the authorities, and they will decide your punishment. <laughs> the Barry McCockner call it. My advice: don't be a knucklehead. Put down the joint or J. <laughs> Put down.
on the joint or J. Oh my god. All right, here we go. Here's a, here's a string of them. Here we go. Hey guys, it's your uh, it's your pal Harold James Peller again. I was thinking more about the Kevin AC boner um, joke that he made on Twitter today. So when he says that he's looking out at his office and he he may need to call the doctor in four hours about his his just veiny throbbing erection, uh, <laughs> is he implying that he took a Viagra product before going into the office and that's why he would call the doctor? Or is he saying that he's just having a naturally occurring, uh, long-lasting erection? Um, okay, well, interested to hear your guys' feedback on this topic. Thanks a lot. Uh, hey, guys, it's, uh, it's H.J. Preller again. Uh, this question is actually for Danny. Uh, as a fellow father of a, of a young, young lady, uh, as am I, uh, I was wondering how Danny is going to go about explaining, having to explain to his daughter about the Padres beat writer Kevin AC, um, <laughs> tweeting about you know just a, a, a blood engorged uh, boner. Because um, I mean, in, in my case, my daughter is flipping through my Twitter, and you know, I had to, I had to explain like, why is Kevin AC talking about erections? <laughs> and you know, it's a valuable moment to teach about the human anatomy, so that. It's not necessarily something that you want to be ashamed of, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to hear how Danny's going to approach the subject with his daughter uh, when she inevitably sees this uh, non-family-friendly tweet. Uh, anyway, thanks, guys. Really. Hey, guys. It's H.A. Uh, Preller again. I was just driving home from work and thinking more about the AC Bonner, like Bonner tweet. Um, I, I was thinking... When he says, now every time I walk in here, there's a concern, I'm going to have to call a doctor in four hours. Like, don't you think it'd be a funny subgenre for uh, the, the gonzo porn genre to have some kind of sports writer porn? Because it seems like this would be a great scenario for, uh, for, for that kind of filmmaking. Um, just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that, like whether it'd be something we could crowdfund or, or maybe put into production in real life. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know who we would get to play AC, uh, but, you know, I think we could really make an entertaining product for the people if, if that was something, something something people were interested in. Just wanted to just wanted to hear what you guys thought about the subject, about the, you know, the boner tweet. So um, thanks a lot. I'll, uh, I'll hang up and, and appreciate what you guys are doing. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, it's H.A. Preller again. Uh, I was I was thinking about it more, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but maybe maybe it could come across that talking about the AC boner uh, erection tweet could could come off as kind of making light of, of people that are suffering from low blood blood pressure and erectile dysfunction that you know might be required to take a Viagra to engage in sexual congress or intercourse uh, or, or sometimes even fellatio um, so I, I just wanted to say hopefully my very serious questions on the subject aren't being misconstrued into a joke about erectile dysfunction but um, you know it's a serious health issue and it's something that I think should be taken pretty seriously so um you know, if they came across as, as a joke of some kind, um, you know, I apologize. But, you know, I'm interested in hearing what your guys' feedback is on that and, and how you feel about, uh, you know, erectile dysfunction and boners and, you know, always interested to hear from you guys. Love love your take on things. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Motherfucking H.J. Preller, dude.